0: Good morning everyone, welcome to Hope Collective. Uh, I just wanna take a quick second to introduce ourselves. I'm Matthew.
1: And I'm Sam. Um, If you guys could grab the cards and pens that were on your seat.
0: So I don't know if you guys have been here over the last couple weeks, but we've been taking a little time to go ahead and write down something excellent and just praiseworthy about our God before we step into worship. Just helps to align our hearts. For example, I wrote this morning, Prince of Peace.
1: And I wrote, Father. So we're going to give you guys the next minute or so to write down a word and just that God is excellent and praiseworthy.
0: That's awesome. So if you guys could just keep those things on your minds, on your hearts, as we step into worship. So I'm going to go ahead and ask everyone to stand, um, and I'll pray for us before we get started here. Dear God, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have the ability to gather, um, that we get to be here in your presence. Lord, I just pray that you would align our hearts with you as we worship, that we make it about you and not us. Lord, just thankful for all the ways that you are praiseworthy and just excellent in our lives. And just now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well,
2: good morning and welcome to the Hope Collective. If you're here this morning and the room looks a little different, we just want to draw your attention to the screens. There's even screens behind you, okay? So we're excited to worship. Here we go. Let's go.
3: Yeah, you can clap for that. I'm going to invite you to take a seat. God, we do. We get most excited today about your word being read over us. We get most excited about coming into this place not for what we're going to get but because we're your kids and we get to honor our dad. Oh, that we would honor you more because you're worthy and you're holy. You're good. We celebrate the greatness of our God. And Father, we need you to change us from the inside out. We actually can't do this by ourselves. We need each other. We need your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We know you're here, but we invite you to tune our hearts to you, to tune our minds with all the distraction in this world. May we be focused on what it is you want to say because you're worthy and because you're our God and because you love us. And God, I want to say thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for the goodness of We get to celebrate today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting with us, thanks for being here today. If it's your first time, uh, welcome. You probably have no idea what you just got yourself into. Um, And we lock the doors. And so, um, (laughs) I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, And if you're watching online with us, we just want you to know we our hearts and our thoughts are with you today as well. Um, that together we are the church. We are His church, and we get to come into this place. And I want to forewarn you um, the the one week message that became two weeks that just became three weeks now is four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dead serious. Um, this one's taking a bit. And God actually broke in in a really powerful way last service, um, and I pray He does that today. Um, for many of us, we're coasting in our faith, and God wants to re-engage us, wants us to re-engage him, I should say. If you're back for the first time in a while, welcome back. Um, things do not look as they used to. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of living a little bit in uh, round, and, and so I will attempt to get dizzy today, and, um, and that's okay, Right? Because here's the point. If I could just give you why is it like this. and By the way, if any of you ever want to sit up here, you can. I'm just saying. Wouldn't that be fun? Some of you are like, oh, no. No, it would not be fun. I told the band this morning, I said, people aren't watching. There we go. That's, That's what I'm talking about. Wow. They, yeah. And this is why it goes long. I'm just saying. Um, if you're wondering what's, what's going on here, we are firm believers that church isn't something you go to, it's something you're part of. And too often we've made church one day over every day. And God is calling a remnant of people to be every day over one day Christians who follow him together. Um, and so we want you to understand that it's not something you go to, it's something you're part of, that it's the body of Christ And we get to do this together. Aren't you glad that we're not doing this by ourselves? Um, And for those of you who are, you don't have to. God has given us um, this incredible opportunity. I did tell the band uh, this morning that don't assume people are looking at you. You're looking at them. So you're being watched today. That's that's fine. What's really cool is to get to see people engage worship and the church do that together. Um, So week three, um, which will be week four, on this kingdom-mindedness, let me say something that's just really, really, really on my heart that I want you to understand. The devil is a liar. Okay? And we're like, yeah, I know. No, seriously, listen to me. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is good at what he does. And here's what's crazy, and I want you to get this. He doesn't come and lie in obvious lies. Okay? That would be dumb because we can pick lies out. How many of you know somebody that when they lie, you're like, I know you're lying. Like it's so obvious you're lying. Why are you lying, right? We know those kinds of moments when there is a lie and we pick it out and it's a lie. But then there's times where you don't always know that it's a lie, if, if you know what I mean. Let me give you something to maybe put this in context if I can, because it's important as we dive into this kingdom-minded stuff. Um, how many of you would say, I have a negative self-talk voice? Raise your hand, keep it up for me. You have a negative self-talk voice. Raise your hand. Okay, that voice. Some of you are like, you don't? Wow, that's really cool. Um, You're either not self-aware or you've just learned to ignore it, and that's even cool. Um, The negative self-talk voice. First of all, God's not going to tell you things negative about yourself. He's going to tell you what's true about yourself, whether that's challenging and moving you into better truth Or it's just encouraging you as one of his kids. The negative self-talk that is in our lives, whether you have hard drives full or you have just a little bit of whispering, that negative self-talk is the enemy of your soul, the devil, whispering to you, he will never use his voice, he will use yours. And he lies. And here's what I want you to understand. It's subtle. And because of that subtlety, we too often live in the wrong mindset. We don't get to live in a kingdom mindset. We live in a worldly mindset. And we don't even know it. Let me give you an example, just so that you kind of get what I'm talking about. We live in a world that today that would tell you to believe in yourself. No, here's why. Listen to me really carefully. Listen to me really carefully. We'll get down. We'll get this down. Hear me. At the, the Bible says that your heart is wicked. And you don't even know it. That's why we need a savior. That's why we are being redeemed. That's why we champion each other's hearts because we don't know it. And at the core of our hearts, the core of who we are is incongruent values that war against each other. That's why Jesus comes and says, don't believe in yourself, believe in me. And in believing in me, I'm going to show you who you are. But the lie is subtle and it gets us focused on the wrong thing. And so I want us to understand the devil is a liar. He's good at it. He's the father of lies. And so as we go into this, I believe God brings us together to expose those things. So kingdom-minded, we've been saying that we want to be kingdom-minded people. Here's why. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By the way, let me go back to those of you right now that are really struggling with this believe in yourself thing. Because you're going, well, wait a minute. Like, I've got some good about me. No, you do. And so what I would say is it's actually okay to be confident in who God has made you to be. That's a good thing. The talents and giftings that he's given you to be able to say those come from God and there's goodness in that. That's okay. But to let it be the story of our life is to focus on self is a miss. And that's what the enemy of our soul wants us to do. And so we say, be kingdom minded people. And so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And so that kind of set the stage for this long message that we're in the middle of right now. And when you think of seek, how hard you seek after something will tell you how valuable it is to you. We've said that for two weeks. How hard you seek after something will tell you how valuable it is to you. And I'm here to tell you right now that more than anything else in this world, the kingdom that has a king who is Jesus is some of the most valuable things in this world, period. The kingdom of God, where Jesus is the king of the kingdom, valuable. And to the degree that you understand and see the value of the kingdom that Jesus announced when he came is the degree you will go after it with everything you have. And then he says, do it first. First above everything. Now, here's what I don't want you to confuse. You ready for this? Because we do this in the church. This is why this went so long, because I just need to tell you a lot of things. Just so we're ready for this, okay? Setting our hearts again. First does not mean that if you work eight hours a day, then you need to give God eight hours and one minute that day. We do that. We're like, well, I got to equal the time. Now, don't get me wrong. If you want to spend eight hours and one minute with God... Any given day, it would be unbelievable what that might produce in us. Just saying. But what he means by first is first in everything. I don't have to put this list together where it's God and then my family and then my work and then my, because we always fail. How many of you failed at that? But I bring God to my family, I bring kingdom to my work, I bring kingdom to my relationships, I bring kingdom to church. It is first. In everything, when I want to know what to do with my life, I seek the kingdom and the king of that kingdom. You understand? Make sense? There is total freedom in this space if you want to say yes. There you go. Now, let me say this. If you don't, if we don't, let's say we, if we don't seek it first, then the other kingdom will creep in. I want you to get this. To the degree that we don't put that kingdom first. That's why Jesus is telling us to. Then without knowing it, the things of this world, the kingdom of of the devil, the kingdom of me, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of flesh creeps in. And to the degree that that kingdom creeps in, we talked about it last week, is the degree that it will rob us of God's kingdom. So I want you just to understand this as we dive in. If you don't, the other kingdom creeps in. You mimic a kingdom. This is a fun one. What's inside comes out. You actually mimic a kingdom. Now let me, let me highlight this again because it's really important. There are two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and what God is doing. You want to know what the kingdom is when we talk about the kingdom of God? It's God at work. It is what he's doing. It is his rule and reign. It is Jesus is king. Are we clear? There is the kingdom of God, and then there is the kingdom of the devil, and that shows up in the kingdom of me, and that shows up in the kingdom of this world, and that shows up in the kingdom of a lot of other things, but it's his. And we're either in that one or we're in God's. And so you mimic the kingdom that you're in because what's inside comes out. Now, what do I mean? You can't do kingdom-minded just want you to understand, it. you cannot do kingdom-minded. It is be kingdom-minded. Not asking you to go do kingdom-minded. Dependent on who or what has the greatest influence is what you ultimately become. If your phone has greater influence on you over the Bible, then it's going to dictate who you become. I just went low blow right there right? Because everywhere right now is feeling shame, condemnation, guilt. I need to get off social media. I need to put away my phone. I mean, listen, let's just be honest. I said this week on Instagram, bring your Bibles with you today and let's open them together. Because I can't tell you how many times I picked up my phone to go do something good and ended up something else. And then sitting there going, I... I never went and did what I thought I was going to do. And I know that when somebody says we're going to turn to Matthew, our good intentions with our technology is to go to Matthew. And then all of a sudden, there's a like. And you're like, well, what was that? And then you see the comment and you go, oh, no chance. And then you go, right? And because you're in church, it's spirit led. And you didn't hear a darn thing the pastor said. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? We, we mimic, so depending upon who or what has the greatest influence will determine what we are becoming, and what I'm challenging us to say is that what we want to have the greater influence is everything kingdom of God, and nothing the other way. Jesus said in Mark chapter one, that the kingdom of God I'm, I'm ignoring you guys. I'm sorry I'm that you're still getting it good <laughs> that the, the kingdom of God is near. He said, Jesus comes and he brings this kingdom, this promise all through the Old Testament. The kingdom of God is here. It is near. I am bringing it with me. And then he goes and he says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says this. This is the journey of the kingdom. And it's fishers of men, or ladies, fishers of people. This is inclusive. Inclusive. It becomes the primary thing that we do with our life if we're kingdom minded is we wake up every day to fish for people for the goodness and greatness of God. And we just happen to go to work and happen to be part of a family and happen to do the rest of the day. Right, Ricky? Follow me. Then Jesus said, I will, you get ready for this. I will build my church. Can I just tell you as a pastor, that's great news. Because... I don't want to, because the church I build, the gates of hell will prevail against. But, which is crazy, this is what he's saying, especially in the time we live in where we're super concerned about what's happening in the world, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. No party will prevail against it. No dictatorship will prevail against it. No ideology will prevail against it. Are you, are you understanding what he is saying? He is going to build his church. Woo! Thank God. And his church is his people. That just happen to gather in buildings because it's cold out. <laughs> Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I give you the Charge the command to go, and hey, while you're going, make disciples. You know what a disciple is? Somebody who listens to what God is saying and then does what he says. I think in the church, we're really good at knowing what God is saying oftentimes, but doing what he says becomes the challenge. It's why we need each other. How many of you know what God is wanting you to do, but you haven't done it yet? Raise your hand. This isn't, this is like participatory. So let's try this. How many know there's some things that God wants you to do, but you have not done them yet? Raise your hand. (gasps) Gosh. Right? That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this together. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I haven't started the message yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, uh, again, week five. Week five. <laughs> Listen. You will be my witnesses. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. you know what it means when he says, you will be my witnesses? Listen, this all has to do with kingdom mindset. And I'm trying to give you more things at the beginning of each of these messages to understand what this is all about, to get excited deep in your gut that there's something bigger than what's happening in this world. And it can happen within you. It can happen in his church. To be his witnesses, to be his mouthpiece, to be his witnesses, to be his image bearer, to be his witnesses, to be a mini-me Jesus. Do you understand? Like, that's what God is doing. That's the work he's doing. We love the verse, God is working all things together for his good for those who love him. And so we're like, every bad thing is becoming my good. No, his good. And it defines it in the next passage, and his good is to help you look like Jesus. And that's not easy. So what do kingdom-minded people look like? Well, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, We just heard the word of God, the Beatitudes are the foundational attributes of a kingdom-minded citizen. Attributes meaning characteristics, your attitudes, and being a citizen of heaven is embodying, which means people will see it, not because I do it, but because it's in me and it just comes out because what's in me comes out. Time out. Just so you know, so we're all clear, that being a kingdom-minded person has to do with being with Jesus, that it's a proximity that we place before God. And I just, I want to share this because I think it's really, really important for us to get this, that when I come to God in my time with him, it's great that you bring your list. He loves your list. He adores your list. I want to answer that. He, God, I still can't find my keys. He loves that. He might help you. He might not. But he says, ask, right? And it's, it's, it's saying I'm dependent. Like, I can. I can't find him. And we're dependent. God, help my kids. Parents, we, we throw that at the feet of Christ. Help me be a good parent to my kids. Help my, my aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins who's struggling right now loves that. But listen to me, may that be a moment for you to say, God, here are the things that are on my heart that I know you can handle and deal with, and then unburden yourself from them, and then just sit in his presence and say, but I want to be like you. And I want to process what that looks and what that means. And God looks at those moments and goes, oh, let's talk. I have so much I want to say, but you've been talking the whole time. page one still. Being blessed is having a deep, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe by knowing him through his word. It's bigger than just knowing about Jesus. We love this idea of heaven, but we don't follow Jesus because we get heaven. We follow Jesus because we get Jesus. And this whole thing is about realizing that Jesus can be enjoyed right now it, it, let, me, let me compare it to just a really good worship song. I love a good worship song. Don't you? It's a good answer. My favorite song is I Am a Child of God. You know what I mean? When that song comes on, that's my song. You'll notice a rise in my expression because I'm an extrovert and I express. And so it's I am who's you know, because that's what it is not forsaken. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, I am who he said. not what you say I am, 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 because I don't care. I kind of do, but I don't want to. You know what I'm saying, right? I am who you say. I, I love that. And that Feel that I am expressing in that moment is the understanding of my God is just the very lowest starting point of the goodness and greatness of God that He wants to unveil in you. Man, if this is the pinnacle of our faith to sing a great worship song, we've missed it. it. It's the starting point of the good things that God wants to do in our life. And so when it gets that good, you just go, whoo, there's more! (laughs) Right? Right. Okay, so last week... (laughs) we hit three of these incredible blessed attitudes and attributes that come because we love Jesus and we spend time with him and his people. Blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. We said the kingdom-minded citizen is spiritually bankrupt. It's not what I can do, but only what he can do through me. I can't, but he can. Second one we hit was the blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The kingdom-minded citizen is saddened by the impact of sin. It just grieves my heart. Not because I make God mad at me because I'm not even sure that that's possible, but because I'm the type of person who would do such a thing. And so I want God in that place. And then, third, we said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'm out of breath. I don't know why. Probably. I'll stop. The kingdom minded citizen doesn't push his own agenda. Wasn't that fun? Number four, today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The kingdom minded citizen pursues holiness. Some of you are going, I don't know what that means. To be holy is to be set apart. I want you to hear this. Holiness is total devotion to God. We've been saying as a church, you've probably heard us say it, that what we've discovered about most people who follow Jesus today, and this isn't a judgment, this is just a reality. If it's you, then lament that it's you. It's been me. That Jesus, for the most part, is a value-add proposition to our American dream or our pursuit of the American dream. And I have to tell you right now, Jesus refuses to be a value-add proposition to anything. We love going after Jesus when it's convenient or we need him, but outside of that, we ask him to bless what we're doing instead of us being part of what he's blessing. So, we get to this place. Radical redirection of heart. He doesn't want to be a value-add proposition, but what he is offering you right now, today, in this moment, is a radical redirection of your heart where nothing in this world matters more than him. Here's how you describe a radical redirection of heart. You ready? It's a heart that desires to draw close to God, and it creates an entire life from the morning the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed and in your sleeping and waking days, it is a life that revolves around fulfilling the one desire to be close to God. It's it. That's it. That's what God wants to do. And the rest is all just that's cool, but I'm close to Jesus, and that's all that matters. Jesus is probably reflecting on Psalm 42, one through two when he says this, and this is what it says. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I don't say that very often. This is just a confession of my own. I'm grieving that. When can I go and meet with God? Many of us have heard that song before, and we probably picture Bambi calmly drinking out of a little stream. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's cute. We even in church we grew up with the song. Sing it with me, as the deer panteth for. The water, so my soul, longeth after you. It's pretty. It ain't pretty. This isn't pretty. What he's describing. Let me, let me get us to dive in if I can. It's not the picture that David was trying to paint. Instead, it's a picture of an animal desperately crawling through the desert looking for water so that they can survive. Jesus is referring to the same kind of hunger and thirst. It's a desperate, if, if I don't get this, I will die kind of craving for God. Give an elbow real quick to somebody sitting next to you and say, wake up. <laughs> if I don't get this, I will die. It's this craving. Do you know anybody in the scripture that modeled that? Participatory. David, for sure. But that was easy. I said that. <laughs> no, no, I got it. Good. Who else? Joseph. Joseph. Yes. Paul. Yes. Zacchaeus. Yes. You didn't even say it, but I said it for you. Daniel. Oh, man. Throw me in the lion's den. I don't care. I will be with my God. The woman with the issue of blood. If I can just touch the garment. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going after Jesus. Oh, boy, there's a lot there. The kingdom-minded citizen is not just saddened by the effects of sin, but we actually feel a deep sense of dissatisfaction with the lack of personal righteousness as well as lack of worldly justice. Listen, let me just again, because I think it's important because justice has been so misconstrued and, and deteriorating in our world, what real justice is. And you need to understand that justice is about a whole relationship with God that was intended in the garden. It's about a good relationship, a loving relationship between God's people, between the people that God created. It's a relationship that is good between us and what he's given us because he's asked us to tend to it and we waste it. And so injustice at its core, and I want you to get this, injustice at its core is a spiritual issue because it's a sin issue, but its nature is always relational. And so justice has to do with bringing people who are out of relationship with God back into relationship with God. And when we're out of relationship with each other, to be back in relationship with each other and to look at this world as it's a gift from God that he's called us to tend to. It hits it all without getting into the politics that are so pervasive and confusing in society concerning justice and without getting into controversies about the role of justice and the mission of the church. And let me just say something about that. Social justice is not gospel justice and gospel justice is not social justice. Social justice has a lot of social without a little gospel. Gospel justice is about us admitting that we need Jesus, and so He comes and meets us where we are. Social justice is about us fixing our own problems without Him. If you want to start with justice, start with you. Let God begin to work in our hearts. I think we can all honestly say that in the culture of this world, true justice is really hard to find because it's relational and it's reconciliation. And when will injustice be dealt with? Well, the promise is that Christ's return will make all of that new in a moment. So we rejoice when true justice happens, but we wait with hope, not with inaction. We wait with hope for ultimate justice to be done when all evil works are dealt with by God himself. That will be a great day, will it not? But Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are so desperate to do the will of God that it's the only thing of importance in their life. They will be filled. Their thirst will be quenched and their hunger satisfied. Paraphrase. Blessed are those who are desperate to do the will of God, for they will long for nothing. Desperate to do the will of God. For they will long for nothing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. <laughs> the kingdom minded citizen is forgiving and compassionate. Okay, look out. I need to confess something. You guys mind if I'd be vulnerable for a second? Um, I grew up I grew up in um, a hellfire and brimstone culture, Christian church culture. I don't know if anybody else did. Um, and you get saved because you don't want to go to hell. Uh, because hell seems like a really real place and just in case I need to make sure I'm good. And so because God is mad and I'm bad, I gave my life to Jesus every day just to get out of hell. And, And the preaching was stop doing what you're doing and start doing what God wants you to do. And so I do admit that that does influence me, but I want you to understand something that that's not what this is about, though I think some have confused or can confuse that preaching like this can be constantly telling you how bad you are. And you can receive this as you're not making mom and dad proud or you're not making the church proud or you're not doing what the... And, and that's why I say, and, and I want you to hear this because I'm, I'm tired of the enemy using this in my life and I'm tired of him using it in your life, that when when we're talking up here... There is no condemnation and shame and judgment and guilt that should come from this. And please listen to me and understand why. Because that's not how God works. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't see what's wrong with you, but what's missing. What I'm trying to say is when we're talking about things and you feel that sense of, no, that's not me. Realize that what God is doing is trying to say, that's where you have settled. But I have something so much better that I want for you and I have for you that is kingdom. And that's what it's about. And so as I go into this one, tuck your toes because there may be some lamenting to do. But it's okay because none of us get this right. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The kingdom minded citizen is forgiving and compassionate. At its core, mercy is forgiveness. I need you to hear that. Mercy is the characteristic. Or the trait that leads us both to forgive those who have wronged us as well as show compassion on those who are suffering and needy. I want you to hear this. It's what we extend to those who have wronged us. How many of you have had somebody wrong? You raise your hand. We're going to be really, yeah, good. Let's try this again. How many of you have had someone wrong? You raise your hand and keep them up. Okay, that's like 100%. So that goes to say that if you've been wronged, you've probably also wronged. And so mercy has to do with those who have wronged us. And it also has to do with those who are in need and desire that we show up for them, if you will. Our mercy flows out from the fact that we've been shown a great mercy by God. And we often have a double standard when it comes to mercy. And I want you to hear this. On the one hand, we like to be shown mercy, but on the other hand, we like to see others get what they deserve. See, mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's what mercy is. I'm going to ask something that's really, feels really exclusive, but it's not trying to be exclusive because I know we're all on a journey. But if you're in this room and you would say, I have received Jesus as as Lord of my life and I'm following Jesus with everything I have. And it's not perfect, but I love Jesus and I'm following him. Would you just raise your hand if that's you and you would say, man, not to be exclusive. I just want you to know that if you're raising your hand right now, please know that you've been shown mercy. It's the only reason you're able to raise your hand. See, many people hold on tightly to wrongs that have been done against them, and they're justified in doing so. I'm I'm not, listen, the law of reciprocity, you do reap what you sow. You were wronged. We were wronged. However, when we're holding on to those wrongs, so often we're letting go of God's mercy. You cannot hold on to both. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, and grace seems unfair until you need some. This one's not fun, is it? And yet it is. Jesus is teaching us that the good life comes to those that offer what is undeserved. Mercy. And so God says, what do you you need to do? You need to do justice. You gotta love mercy. And so he says in chapter six of the Sermon on the Mount, do to others as you would have them do to you. I tell you what he's not saying? But anybody else share this one with their kid all the time? Their kids? You got to do to others what you would have them do to you. And sometimes they'll say, <laughs> but they didn't. They don't do that. <sighs> Cried first time too. It's not due to others as you would have them do to you because they're going to return the favor. It's due to others as you would have them do to you even when you know they won't. And here's what I want to do right now. I'm I'm kind of done trying to get through this. I think there are some of us in this room right now that have tried to live that and it's just hard. Like you're genuinely there and you're like, man, I do that. I do to others as I would have them do to me. And it just never seems to come back. And I want to pray for you in this space. Because he's he's saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they'll receive mercy. And you're going, but I've been merciful. And God's saying, don't give up. Because you're my church. I was processing this um, first hour, and uh, I'm imagining Jesus on the cross. and, And I applied this, and I thought, oh my gosh. Thank you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And he does for us what he knew we could never do. Did it anyway, and and then on the cross. And if you if if you're in a space of just questioning Jesus, then just imagine this, because there's no person in this world, no matter how fondly you think of them, that will ever do this for you, like He does. He looks to the crowd, and he says, "God forgive them, for they know not what they do." And as I'm processing this with you, I'm sitting here going, "They know what they do. They know what they've done to me. They know what they've done to you. And you want me to do this?" And Jesus goes, "Yep, because it's what I did." And here's 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 why I'm saying this because I think that there are some really good Jesus followers in this room. And know that. And I know that you're trying with everything you can to live this. You're not perfect. So I'm not asking for perfection. So hear me. You're not perfect. But you, you see this and you're saying, man, that's me. And David's hard right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I really try to live due to others as I would have them do to me. Raise your hand. No, I mean, you can be that person in this room right now. There's a lot of us actually. Because God is at work in us. It's not in us because we did it ourselves. It's in us because we are following Jesus and Jesus is at work. And so it is in us. We do want to do to others what we would have them do unto us. And it doesn't seem to come back. And I'm saying to you, I know that. And yet he asks us to do it because it will change lives and it will change yours. And so I'm gonna go one step further. If you raise your hand, stand up. Because i want to pray with you. There were more of you that raised your hand. This is family, man. If we can't can't be honest in front of family, that's what bothers me about the church is we actually think it's not. No, it is. It's actually more family than your family. Sorry, my nose is running. Don't shake my hand after. Um. I had you stand because I want to pray over you. And for those of us that are still sitting, some of you are probably just not self-aware. You probably do this more than you know. And you're being really hard on yourself right now. And that's okay. But I just want you to know that as we lean in, God begins to bring this out of us. And later, if we ever get to it, persecution going to come. And I get the battle. And not just I get the battle, but Jesus got the battle. It's why the verse right after says, hey, narrow is the road of doing to others as you would have them do to you. That's a narrow road, but it leads to life. So here's the word. Don't become weary. Some of you are like, it's stressful. No, it's weary. And you feel it deep. And when will it, ever change. I don't know what it, if it ever will, but you can look and say, God, forgive them because they don't know what they do because deep down we are being lied to. And we know we are, but there are people that don't know they are. And more people live and act out of their lie and brokenness than healing. And so they don't know what they do to you, but you feel it deeply. And so God, in this moment, for every person in this, I'm actually invite everybody to stand right now. Those who stood and those who just say, no, I want that. I want to be like that, but I've not been like that because I know people won't return it. Oh, God, just in this moment, Holy Spirit, come. Into those deep spaces where it's just hard and we're weary and there's hurt. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And so God Fill us with your Holy Spirit in a way that causes us to wake up tomorrow and say, they may not return the good, but I won't stop bringing it. And so I will do to others as I would want them to do to me, knowing they may never do it, but it is not why I do it. I do it because of Christ in me. And because of that, I don't have to rely on my strength and I don't have to be weary as if I'm carrying a yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so I take that and I put it at the feet of Christ. And I simply say, it's yours. And I receive the strength of your spirit, God, to live this life, to be poor in spirit, to be merciful, to be... The kind of person that you want me to be, full of compassion and forgiveness. God, I pray that as we sing and as we worship in this moment, it will come from who you are in us. That this will be about glorifying you, not needing to receive anything special. But God, in that moment, may your presence fill us. And may we be determined to walk with you. Every moment.
2: the words of this song this morning so that we as a collective can sing it together so instead of just focusing our eyes for me we're focusing us together and speak in the name of Jesus we just want to speak the name of Jesus
4: to start the week I love that we get together together to celebrate what Jesus is doing in our lives and Dave sharing your heart and just seeking the kingdom like I am charged up I am ready to go and I don't know if earlier when you came in you wrote on this card and wrote something about what motivates you to worship or maybe just during the message you were writing notes like crazy and Dave started talking about Bambi I don't know, maybe you wrote something down about that. Um, Or that worship song that just really gets you going and not to just live in that song, but live it out through the week. I encourage you to take this card and put it in your purse or put it in your car or somewhere at home where you're gonna see it and remind yourself of those moments here today so that we live that throughout the week. And if you're a guest here today, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Um, We love that. If you're online and you're here for the first time, so, so glad to have you. Um, We want to give in honor of you. We wanna give to one of our Hope partners and make a donation. And so if you just wanna follow the instructions online here or with your host in the chat, um, we will give in honor of you. And while our guests are giving generously, those of you who call the Hope Collective your home, We wanna give you an opportunity to give as well, because in these moments of your generosity, can we just say thank you? Can we just say thank you for being generous because it's not what happens right here today. It's what happens all week long. It's what happens at the food pantry, in our ministries. It's to keep this facility moving forward and what God is doing in this community. So thank you for being a part of what God is doing. So, you can follow those directions on the screen here. We've got an exciting, exciting thing happening tomorrow. And we are launching our 21 Days of Hope for the Women at the Hope Collective. This is an online devotional. We have a collective of women all over. And you can join us just by jumping on the website. You don't have to um, sign up or get another email or anything like that. You can just jump on and enjoy that with us. And we are really believing that God is going to encourage you in that. So if you are new, I forgot to tell you to come to the welcome desk because I want to say hi to you, and we just want to connect with you. So do that. Brand new, come and say hi. We can stay six feet apart. I am a hugger, but I'll try to respect the six feet. So make sure you come say hi. Make sure you jump online. And you guys, thank you so much for celebrating with us today and sharing the hope that God gives us. You guys have an awesome week.